0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, he. Let's read some verses from uh, Hebrews chapter 8, starting from verse 6. Speaking about Christ, he said, But now he, Christ, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he also he is also mediator of a better covenant. So Saint Paul said there was old covenant. Covenant is like agreement between God and the people. So Jesus, when he came, he became a mediator of a better covenant. And actually, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ is a turning point in the life of all the world. The the age of the world now is divided before Christ and after Christ. You know why? Because there are two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. So Jesus, he obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So the new covenant is a better covenant established on better promises. But the old covenant was given by God. So the question here how God gives covenant or agreement? that there is something better than what he gave. Both covenant from God, but why, the old, why God did not start giving us the new covenant? Why he started with the old covenant and now he gave us another covenant? For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. And, and St. Paul saying, The first one, if the first one was not faultless there was no need for a second one. But the fact there is a new one, then there is an issue with the first one, with the old one, You, you follow me? Because finding fault with them, he says, he says this in Jeremiah, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This covenant started with the birth of Christ. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt, that is the old covenant, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. And now God speaks about the new covenant and the differences between the new covenant and the old covenant. And the Lord mentioned three differences. St. Paul mentioned three differences. The first one, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. So, the first difference, the law of God will be written in our minds and in our hearts. The second difference, none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least of them to the grace of them. The second difference, no one will teach because all of them will be taught from God. The third difference, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. And I will remember no more. Actually, I'm sure some of you are thinking how these are different. Number one, in the Old Covenant, David said, I hid your words in my heart. So it's already in their heart and their mind. So, why the Lord said, I will put it in their mind and write it on their heart. Second difference, there is no teaching. But now our teaching. Sunday school is about teaching. So, how is this different? And the third one uh, is the forgiveness of sins. What about in the Old Covenant? Nathan said to David, And the Lord forgive your sins. So, how come these are differences than the Old Covenant? In that, he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what's become obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. That's about the Old Covenant, ready to vanish. That's why i like to speak with you about the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant and to understand these three differences that were written in Jeremiah and St. Paul repeated them again in Hebrews chapter 8. <coughs> what is the Old Covenant? The Old Covenant the starting point you are a sinner. We are born as sinful people. Was corrupted nature. Then God actually gave us a list of commandments that's what we call the law. And he told them, do this and you will live. So, if you are able to keep the law, you will live. But if you break One commandment, one commandment the wages of uh, sin is death. So you will be under the sentence of death. Uh, That's why no one was able to be justified according to the Old Covenant. No one was able to be justified according to the Old Covenant. As St. Paul said in Romans chapter 3, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. The Jews are not better than the Gentiles. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no Not one. So nobody was able to be justified under the Old Covenant. Nobody. The Old Covenant had four problems actually. Four problems. The first problem, there is no solution for the original sin or the corrupted nature. If a child i'm speaking about before christ if a child dies he cannot be saved even without doing any sin if infant one day all die, he cannot be saved he cannot go to heaven i'm speaking about the old covenant because uh, he is born with the original sin and with a corrupted nature. And corruption cannot inherit incorruption. The second uh, problem with the Old Covenant is that the commandments are difficult. And nobody was able to keep the whole law without breaking any commandments. Even some people, like Joseph, he was able to keep some commandments, but he broke others. Nobody was able to keep the whole law. The law is difficult. It's a burden. The third problem, once you commit a sin, you break a law, There is no forgiveness. As St. Paul said in Hebrews, all these sacrifices, the sin offering and the trespass offering, cannot forgive our sins. The blood of the animals cannot actually uh, redeem us. All these were just symbols. So there was no forgiveness in the Old Covenant. And the first problem, death. Once you break a commandment, you are under the sentence of death. And once you are under the sentence of death, the Old Covenant did not provide any solution to move you from death to life. (coughs) That's why nobody, not a single person, (coughs) under the Old Covenant, was saved. All the righteous, who are relatively righteous in the Old Covenant, when they died, they went to Hades. So, the Old Covenant did not help at all. Old Covenant is based on our effort, as I told you, the starting point, you are a sinner, And there is a list of commandments. If you are able to keep them by your own effort, you will be justified. And since no one, no one was able to keep all these commandments, that's why no one, no one was justified. That's why, as we read in Romans 8:7, uh, Hebrews 8:7. If that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought uh, for a second. But I have two questions here. The first question, why God gave us a covenant that does not work? Of course, God doesn't. He knows very well that this covenant, nobody will be saved with and the second question, how St. Paul say about this covenant is faulty. If that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. If you have a little child and you uh, want you get him like a new toy, And you want to help him uh, to put the toy together so he can play with it. But he told you, no, no, I I know how to do it. No, I know how to do it. So you leave him. Try to put it together. Until he reaches a point, he realizes that he cannot do it saying he will come to you, Daddy, would you please put it for me, put it together for me? In the same way, in our arrogance, if God actually started with the new covenant from the time of Adam, in our arrogance, we would have said, we don't need a new covenant. We don't need your help. We can do it by ourselves. We can save Ourselves. We don't need help from you. So God actually gave us this covenant, first covenant, to make us realize our limitation and our weakness. That we cannot save ourselves, we need a Savior. That's why Romans, the verse I read it to you from Romans chapter 3, but Romans chapter 1 about the Gentiles, Romans chapter 2 about the Jews. The Gentiles lived according to the natural law, the common sense. And the natural law failed to save them. The Jews lived according to The law of Moses, and they couldn't be saved by the law of Moses. So, in chapter 3, the verses that I read to you that both Jews and Gentiles are under sin, under death. Both the whole world now they are saying, We need a savior, we need a better covenant. Covenant that does not rely on us. We failed. So, the fault is not in the covenant itself. St. Paul, after in verse 7, he said, if that first covenant had been faultless, in verse 8, he said, because finding fault with them so, the covenant is not faulty. The fault is us, our weakness, our limitation, our inability. We couldn't keep the first covenant. So, God established a new covenant based on better promises. If I ask you a question, what is the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant in one word? Just one word. What this word would be? Jesus. Jesus. Hmm? Jesus. 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 Grace? Hadal Grace? Yeah. Gavaza. Yes. That, that is the one word. Uh, we pray it actually every morning in the first hour of the Isaiah in John chapter 1, verse 17. The law was given through Moses. But grace and truth. Truth is the law came through Jesus Christ. That's why usually we say we are in the covenant of grace, Ahd al The first covenant was based on our effort. The second covenant based on the grace. Grace is given by Jesus Christ. What is the definition of Grace. Grace is a free gift. Free gift. Otherwise, if you, you cannot say, I earn grace. If you earn it, then it is a reward, not a gift. So grace is a free gift given to us not based on our worthiness, but based on the richness Of the love of God and the abundance of His mercy. This definition is very important. Grace is a free gift given to us, not based on our worthiness, but given to us because God is rich in His love and abundant in His mercy. That's why St. Paul repeated more than one time, by grace you are saved. And all this argument about works, St. Paul doesn't say we don't do any work, but he say work without grace is nothing. But grace requires that we receive it and work with the grace because the grace doesn't teach us laziness. So, when St. Paul said, you are not saved by works, by grace you are saved, he means works only without grace cannot save you. That's the old covenant. So, how did grace solve these four problems? I told you there are four problems with the old covenant. So how Greece solved these four problems? The first problem is the original sin and the uh, corrupted nature. I am born from my parents with the original sin and with corrupted nature. So when the Lord said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verse 3 Most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus said to him how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is what we call it reincarnation. Of course, we don't believe in reincarnation. But the idea of reincarnation, that after you die, you will be born again from different parents, and with this repeated rebirth, you are purified. We don't believe in it. But this is the idea of reincarnation. But the Lord Apply applied, responded to this. And he told him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So let me just assume that the reincarnation is true. Assumption, only assumption. Every time I will be born again from flesh, I will be born as flesh means, carnal means, with the original sin and the corrupted nature. So, if I am born again 20 times, 50 times, every time I will be born with the original sin and with the corrupted nature. So the reincarnation will not solve the first problem. But the Lord said, and that which is born of the spirit, is spirit. So the solution of the first problem, we need to die. The person who is born of flesh must die. And then he has to be born again. But born again, not of flesh but of spirit. So when we are born again, as the Lord said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, and spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because if I am born of flesh, I am carnal, with the corrupted nature and with the original sin. But if I am born again, from the spirit, then I am spiritual. And God actually gives us this as grace, as free gift. We bring the little baby who understands nothing and who did nothing and then we bury him in the water of baptism. As St. Paul said in Romans 6, we are buried with him in baptism. So, there is real death for the carnal person and there is a real burial with Christ. Then a real resurrection but this baby or this baptized person now he is born of spirit not born of the flesh So now he doesn't have corrupted nature. Now the original sin is actually forgiven and erased completely. He is a new creation in Jesus Christ. He is a new creation in Jesus Christ. I'm sure some of you will ask what about the children that die without baptism The best answer for this question is, I don't know. But what I know, for sure, that God is gracious and God is merciful and God is just. So in the last day, all of us will be impressed how God actually dealt with these babies that they were not baptized and how his righteousness, his justice, his mercy, his grace are fulfilled. And all of us will be amazed, surprised. I know some fathers have different opinion. Some of them, they said they will be saved. Some said no, they will not be saved. But this is just it's our uh, human uh, trying to figure out a solution but let's respect our limitation and let us admit we don't know simply because it's not revealed in the scripture what God would do. But God said, let the little children come to me and don't prevent them. So definitely there is a solution we don't know. We don't know. But now the first problem is solved. What about the second problem? That his commandments are heavy, are difficult. Uh, Difficult, if I I ask a child five years old, for example, to come and to move or carry this mangalaya by himself, he will tell me, impossible, I, I cannot carry it. So the commandment for us like this, Bengaliya and who are this like these five or six years old children. That's why nobody was able to keep the command. But if I say to this little child, I will bring you Helper. I I will ask five or six adults to come and carry it with you. To carry it with you because Helper. Means with you, not instead of you. They will not replace him, but they will carry with him. Can he carry the Mangalia with the five or six helpers? Adult, yes, he can. Because now he has a helper. Who is the helper? Helper is a title of the Holy Spirit. So now we have a helper. We have a helper to keep the commandments of God. And we receive this helper in the (coughs) sacrament of Chrismation. You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you. And the fact the Lord called the Holy Spirit helper means we are required to work and he will help us. He did not call him the replacer. He will not replace us, but he will help us, helper. So now the commandments, as St. John said, and we know that his commandments are not burdensome. His commands are not heavy. His commands are not difficult. Now we can keep the commandment because we have helper the grace of the Holy Spirit. That's why God actually took us to a higher level. In the old covenant, God told us, thou shalt not commit adultery. And we couldn't keep this commandment. But now you have a helper. And this helper is not any helper. It's not a regular human being. This helper is God himself, the Holy Spirit. That's why God took the commandment to a higher level. Now I tell you in the covenant, in the new covenant, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you committed adultery. In the old covenant, thou shall not kill. In the new covenant, no. If you say to your brother, foolish one, you are worthy of judgment. Why? Because now I have a helper. So why God took the commandment to a higher level? Because now we have a helper. Now we have helper. Being born of water and spirit, did we work anything? Did we do anything? Or is it grace? Is it grace? It's a free gift. Like this baby whom we baptize today, it's a free gift. God gave him this free gift, a new nature. He removed the corrupted nature and he erased the original sin and now he's a new creation in Jesus Christ. It's a gift. When we receive the Holy Spirit, did you do anything to earn this gift that the Holy Spirit abides in you? No, he did not do anything. It's again grace from God. So now the the first two problems were solved. The third problem which is forgiveness. God told us my blood on the cross has ability to forgive all sins for all people in all ages. Ten. My blood on the cross has the ability to forgive all sins for all the people in all the ages. How God will distribute this forgiveness? So each one of you You have forgiveness in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that cover all your sins from the moment of your birth to the moment of your death. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is enough to forgive all these sins. So let's imagine that God opened a bank called Bank of Forgiveness. and he appointed some tellers in this bank. When actually you need forgiveness, you will go to the teller and you will withdraw forgiveness from your account. In order to withdraw money from the bank, the teller will ask you for ID, and will ask you, how much money do you need? For example, you tell them, I need $1,000. So once he verify your identity, he will give you the $1,000. If you need $2,000, but you decided to ask for $1,000, how much are you going to get? $1,000, you will not get $2,000. And if you refuse to show your identity, Can you get any money from your account although that's your money? Of course not. So, the identity that God is asking for us to receive forgiveness is that we are His children. We believe in Him. If you don't believe in Him, then how can you withdraw from your account? Yes, there is forgiveness for you, but you need to believe in Him and you need to be repentant, regret, in order not to take advantage of, of God. I will do whatever sins I want to do and then I will withdraw from the forgiveness. No, God doesn't attitude, God doesn't encourage a negative attitude like this. So I will go to the teller to verify my identity. I'm a believer, I am baptized. And also, I'm a repentant. Then he will ask me, How much forgiveness do you need? So I will tell him, I need forgiveness for my lying, my cursing, but I will not say, I will not mention stealing. So I will get forgiveness for lying and for cursing, but do I get forgiveness for stealing? No simply because you did not ask for it. If you ask for it, you will get it. But you did not ask for it. I'm sure you understand what I'm saying here. This bank of forgiveness is the church, and these sellers are the priests. And they don't give you from their own account. No, it's your account, it's your forgiveness. They are just stewards. They verify your identity, you are a believer, and you are a repentant, And then you tell them, in the sacrament of confession, I need forgiveness for this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin. And you will receive this forgiveness. But if you did not ask forgiveness for a certain sin, you will not get forgiveness for it. Again, what did you do to earn this? To earn forgiveness, even for... Major sins like adultery or murder or stealing. All sins are equal, by the way, there is no measure of mine. Uh, are equal because all of them, and, uh, the witch of sin is death. Uh, we did not uh, earn, we, we go to Aguna and, and we say to him, all my sins, and then you hear God absolve you. Is this grace or work? It's a grace. It's a free gift, free gift. Do you remember the story of St. Moses the Black when he confessed and how this tablet became white? Did he do, what did he do to earn this? Nothing. It's free gift based on the richness of the love of God and the abundance of his mercy. So now we solved three problems. The third problem, the fourth one is death. Once you fall in a sin, you're under sentence of death. So, if the battery of your car died, what, you, what do you do? You look for a job. You connect it with another battery in order to charge it. If your phone died, you would charge the phone you know so when i die because of my sin under the sentence of this i need this jump i need life to be transferred to me and this life that's transferred to me i get it through the body and blood of our lord jesus christ he who eats my body and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And he will live, and I will raise him at the last day. So, in communion, why we, 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 we take communion every day, or as frequent as we can? Because every day we commit any sin, we become under sentence of death. So we need this life we need to be recharged. Like when your phone dies, you charge it. If you keep it without charging, it will continue be, to be dead. And if we don't take communion, then we will continue to be dead. Uh, but St. Paul, in First Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 29, he said, something opposite he said a person can take communion and can die in verse 29 he said for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep sleep means die so St. Paul said Some people after communion, they will be weak, they will be sick physically, and they will die physically and of course spiritually. So how communion, I'm saying, it gives me life and charges me, but Paul, St. Paul is saying, no, it can make some die. The key here is the, the word, unworthy manner to explain to you unworthy manner do you remember when the voltage here in Egypt is different here 110 and in Egypt uh, 220 now all the devices can work 110 to twenty. but let me assume that your phone works only on 110 and then you travel to Egypt and you want to charge your phone under 220. So this power will charge your phone or will destroy it? Will destroy it. Because you are here and the power of electricity is here, the voltage is here. So this will, will destroy. So yes, the, the power can either charge or either destroy. In order, actually, to charge your phone, you need a very small device called what? Do you remember? Transformer. Transformers make the same the the two in the same level. Uh, Trans in Greek means meta. Uh, form uh, in Greek means nos. So transform is metania. Repentance. St. Paul said be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So the transformer that we need is the repentance. So when we repent, we become worthy. So when we eat his body and his blood, it will give me life, not death. That's why the church teaches us you need to repent and confess before taking communion. That's why the Lord washed the feet of his disciples on Covenant Thursday, a symbol of repentance. And he said to Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will not participate with me. Meaning, if you don't repent, you cannot take communion. If you don't repent and confess, you cannot take communion. So this new covenant is established on the grace. When we move from death to life in communion, did we earn it? What did you do to earn it? Nothing. Nothing. It's a free gift from God. So the four problems that we mentioned about the Old Covenant now are solved in the New Covenant. So I told you in the Old Covenant the starting point, you are a sinner. And you have all these commandments to keep them to be saved. Nobody was able to keep all these commandments. That's why nobody was saved. This is what St. Paul called the righteousness of the law. When you read it in Romans, those who want to be justified by the righteousness of the law, St. Paul means by your own effort. The new covenant... The starting point after being baptized and chrismated and took communion, you are righteous. That's the starting point. And this is what St. Paul referred it to in Romans as the righteousness of Christ. That was given to us as a free gift. By grace you are saved. So the starting point in the new covenant after being baptized and chrismated and you believe in Christ and took communion you are righteous. Without doing anything this baby that or whom we baptize, he didn't do anything. It's a free gift. By grace is saved. Then in your journey The grace is with you. If you sin, repent, and your sins will be forgiven. To keep the commandment, you have the Holy Spirit with you to help you to keep the commandment. If you became under sentence of death because of your sins, communion will move you back to life. So, during our journey, we are righteous, all the time. When we baptize a child, we dress him in white as a symbol of the righteousness of Christ. That's why you put this red ribbon, it should be actually in the form of a cross. And if you read the book of baptism, the, the ribbon should be tied like a cross. But sometimes when the ribbon is short, You cannot actually make it like a cross. Uh, To say that the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross is the reason of my righteousness. Every time I sin, this white robe or white garment becomes defiled. Then in repentance, confession and communion, it's white again. So when God sees me at any moment, I am righteous. But is this my own righteousness, the righteousness of the Lord? No. It is the righteousness of Christ. That I received as grace, as free gift. In the book of Revelation, when John saw people walking in white garments, he asked, Who are they? The answer, those who washed their garments in the blood of Christ. That righteousness of Christ. Then let us go to Hebrews chapter 8 about the three differences. The first difference the Lord said in Hebrews 8, verse 10, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. When God gave them the law in the Old Testament, He gave them the law in what form? On what? Do you remember? Two tablets of stone. Why? Why God did not give them uh, the commandments like in uh, on on people, uh, paper for example it just came out of Egypt. Why, why he put on tablets of stone? Hmm? Changed. Change. Okay. Stones symbolizes the stony heart. Their hearts were hardened. So, the commandment that was written in the Old Testament, even on the hearts of the people, as if written on a stony heart, that's why in Ezekiel God promised, "I will remove from you the stony hearts and give you hearts of flesh." The word of God is like sword, sharper than two-edged sword. Right? If there is a piece of stone here, and then you shoot a sword on it, what will happen to the sword? It will be broken. But if there is a piece of flesh here, and you shoot a sword, what will happen? It will pierce. So the commandment of God, when it hit the heart of the people in the old covenant, was broken. Stony heart. But in the new covenant, when it hits the heart of the people, it pierced the heart. When they heard the word, they were pierced into their hearts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, St. Paul said, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. So the Holy Spirit that we received in chrismation changed my heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. That's the difference. Yes, David kept the commandment in his heart, but his heart was heart of flesh, heart of stone, not heart of flesh. But in the new covenant, through the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit, our hearts is heart of flesh. And the word of God written not with ink, but by the Spirit of God. In Matthew 19 the Lord, taught about divorce and said there is no divorce except for sexual immorality. So they challenged the Lord Jesus Christ and told him in verse 7, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And the answer, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. Meaning, from the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, their hearts were not hard of stone. But after the fall, their heart became hard of stone. And God will understand the weakness. He allowed divorce through Moses in the Old Covenant, because as I told you people, their level was like, uh, in, in, like in primary school. He, he did not give them a higher level of commandment. He told them, thou shall not commit adultery. He did not tell them, if you look at a woman last, uh, last after here, you committed adultery. You know, these two different levels. So in the clerical council many people said the Lord said because of the hardness of your heart permitted you to divorce. My heart is hardened or my spouse his heart or his heart are hardened. Why don't you allow divorce? For the hardness of your heart. And yes, I'm telling you some people when they reject the grace of God their heart become hardened. But the big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, you have no choice. Your heart is hardened no matter what, because there was no grace. But in the New Covenant, there is grace. So if you resist the grace, your heart will be hardened. But if you do not resist the grace, your heart will not be hardened. You will have a heart of flesh. That's why in the New Covenant there is no divorce except for sexual immorality. There is no divorce for hardness of heart like Old Covenant. Because if you harden your heart, that's your choice. You choose to resist the grace of God. But in the Old Testament, there was no grace. There was no grace. Grace was given by Jesus Christ. The second uh, difference, no one will teach his brother or his neighbor saying, Know the Lord, because all of them will be taught. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the grace of them. In the Old Testament, always, always, there was a mediator between God and men. The mediator who delivers message from God to us is called a prophet. And the mediator who delivers message from the people to God is called a priest. So the priest who message from God to us, sorry, Prophet deliver message from God to us, and priest will deliver message from us to God. In the New Covenant, there was no mediator. God willing, when you attend the the feast of Nativity, pay attention to the plain letter from Hebrew one chapter one, chapter one verse one. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the Father by the Prophet. God spoke to our fathers through the prophets a mediator. In the New Covenant, has in this last day spoke to us by his Son. There is no mediator. you going to tell me, but in confession I go to Abuna. Why I don't go to Christ directly? Uh, in the Old Covenant, the relationship between people and God was like this. There has to be a mediator in the middle. God said to Moses, if the people approach the mountain, they will die. Nobody approaches the mountain. So was always a mediator, a prophet or a priest or a king. These are the three mediators between God, king to establish the law of God. These are the three mediators between God and the people. In the new covenant, there is no mediator. In, in baptism and chrismation, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you in communion, you are one with God. So there is no mediator between you and God. But when I send, Any sin is a separation. So when I sin, I separate myself from God. So the role of the priest is to reconnect me back to God. Not to be a mediator in the middle between me and God. And this is a big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, I cannot approach God because there was enmity. God speaks to me through prophets and I speak to him through priests. In the new covenant, I can speak to God directly. But when I sin, there is separation. And I need to be reconnected. This reconnection happens through the church and the steward of God, the clergy. So, practically, If a person never, never disconnected from God, he will not need any teaching. But all of us who are weak and we sin. That's why there is teaching. But the teaching also can be directly through the Holy Spirit in my heart. God dwells in you. In communion, He is one with you. This did not exist in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, I cannot say to the people, you are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit abides in you. This is only in the New Testament. That is the meaning of this verse in Hebrews chapter 8, that there is no mediation. There is no somebody in, in the middle, between me and God. No, I am God, one. In communion, with the Holy Spirit abide in me. And the third difference about the forgiveness, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. As I told you in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there was no forgiveness. All this forgiveness, when my fans said to David, God forgive your sins, it's a promise of forgiveness. But not forgiveness. That's why David, when he died, went to Hades and remained in Hades until the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as if I give you a check, but I tell you, you cannot cash this check until January 3rd, 2022. You have to check but has no value until you can receive it. So the forgiveness in the Old Covenant was a promise. But the actual forgiveness happened when the Lord died on the cross. So now indeed that Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry, the ministry of the Old Covenant is ministry of death, you are going to preach the people, you are dead because you transgressed against God. That's the message of the Old Covenant. The New Covenant message, God saved you by His grace. You are saved. It's bitter ministry. Inasmuch as as He is also mediator of a bitter covenant. St. Paul actually, spoke in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 about the difference between the ministry of the old covenant and the ministry of the new covenant. And he mentioned seven different, uh, seven, seven differences. He called it ministry of death, ministry of condemnation, ministry of judgment. You know, in the new covenant it's ministry of life, ministry of freedom, Ministry of righteousness, etc. Uh, actually, I have a sermon about it. You, you can the difference between the ministry of the old covenant and the new covenant. So he, he, is, he now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, and as much as he is a mediator of a better covenant, definitely it's covenant that gives us salvation, gives eternal life, which was established on better promises. The promises of the grace, promises of redemption, promises of salvation, promises of eternal life, all these are the promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, and I plain, the fault is with us, our limitation, then no place would have been sought for a second. The second covenant that we celebrate with the birth of Christ to Establish a covenant based on grace because finding fault with them he says behold the days are coming day says the lord when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah not according to the covenant that i made with their fathers in the day when i took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of egypt the old covenant was based on your works Because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after this day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, heart, flesh. I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, no mediator, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the grace of them for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first, the old covenant obsolete, but what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to finish away. The last comment I want to say, unfortunately until, until now many of us, In our spiritual life, we live according to the Old Covenant, not according to the New Covenant. In our struggle against sin, we live according to the Old Covenant, not according to the New Covenant. Meaning what? If you struggle against any sin, and all what you are doing, you are trying to strengthen your will, to exercise how to control for example your anger uh, more uh, then you are relying on your ability that is the old covenant you are not relying on the grace of god that's why isaac of syria said if you if you want to repent without prayer you are deceived from the devil Pop shemuda in his uh, song Firashi. Actually, he explained how many of us we struggle according to the Old Covenant, not according to the New Covenant. And we need actually, us, and as Sunday school servants, to teach our children how to struggle based on the grace of God, not based on uh, our ability. That's the Old Covenant, not the old, New Covenant. ايي اريد يوز دي سونج بللت فراشي معلش بالعربي واحد زعلان على خطيئته فبيقول بللت فراشي بدموع المره وعهدت الهي دي اخر مره وفيت بيعمل كوت بعهد ربنا بيقول خلاص اخر مره وقال ربنا هثبت في حبك هثبت كالصخره من كل قلبي مش راجع تاني وجاء علي الحرب قويه رجعت تاني للعنق الخطيه طب ليه رجعت تاني للعنق الخطيه لانه كان بيجاهد بس او هيز ابيليتيز نوت انتيجريس اوف جاد رجعت تاني زي العهد القديم فبكيت من قلبي بتوبة نقيه لكن لمده ورجعت تاني رجعت تاني ليه لان تاني بجاهد بمقدرة الشخصية خلي بالك بقى, بقى الربع اللي جاي اول قراءتي كترت عهودي من فرط غروري زودت عهودي واثق بعزمتي واثق بجهادي ده قلت ابنت بجاهد بناء على ايه عزمتي جهادي اردتي عهودي بس اللي حصل خانتني نفسي ورجعت تاني فصر فصرخت بشدة وقلت ارحمني أنا عارف ضعفي يا رب أعني هنا ابتدى الجهاد على مستوى النعمة يا رب ارحمني يا رب أعني القوة منك دي الجريزة القوة منك من فوق مش مني طول ما انت معايا مش هرجع تاني ياريك جهادنا يبقى مبنى على النعمة مبنى على الربع الأخير ده القوة من فوق من عندك مش من عندي طول ما انت معايا مش هرجع داني ده جهاد النعمة ايه فقدت ان احنا نقول في عهد النعمة ولسه بنجاهد حسب العهد القديم قوت ارادتي وصفت عزمتي كترت عهودي ده جهاد العهد القديم جهاد العهد الجديد ان انا افساد ربنا كده اقول يا رب انا ما منيش فايدة. انت يا رب نعمتك هي اللي تسندني انت ايدك يا رب هي اللي تقويني روحك القدوس هو اللي يسندني عشان تنتصر على أي خطية محتاج نعمة ربنا محتاج تدخل في نايرة نعمة ربنا ودي وسائط النعمة لما بقول صلي اقرأ كتاب تعال تناول اعترف صوم دي بنسميها وسائط النعمة الوسائط دي اللي بتدخلني في دايرة نعمة عمل ربنا فلما بكون في دايرة النعمة دي ببقى محمول بالنعمة فهقول ربنا الحبيب ونحن نعلم ان وصايا ليست ثقيله فالغرض مش المحاضره دي بس ان هنفهم اللاهوت بتاع النعمه لكن التطبيق بتاعها انا بجاهد ازاي بجاهد زي العهد القديم بارادتي بعزمتي بعهودي بقوتي بمقدرتي ولا بجاهد وانا مرمي تحت رجلين ربنا بقول الدين نعمتك يا رب أنا ما أنا ولكن نعمة المسيح العامل فيه لإلهنا المجتمع من الأب